So, have you ever felt as if God is silent? And maybe that's a little bit of a redundant question because I don't know if I've ever met someone who hasn't at some time felt like God was silent. But maybe you've poured out your heart to God and it seems like nothing changes. The title of the message this morning is When God Seems Silent. Maybe you've prayed for healing. And it seems like there isn't healing. Maybe physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Maybe there's something going on in any of the aspects of our lives that we beg God. God, don't you see? Don't you care? And it just seems like God doesn't answer that. Maybe it's a prayer of intercession. Most of us here have a loved one that is wayward. A prayer for someone else, and it seems like God's not doing anything. Maybe there's you're asking for direction in life, and I've every stage of life has decisions that we have to make. I remember as a youth, God, what do you want me to do? Where do I go into service? Um, what, what about a life vocation? Do you want me to get married? My friends were getting married, having children. I was older before I got married. Those are real struggles. And sometimes it feels like God just doesn't say anything. It's just silent. So we get older, we have to decide, well, God, where do you want me to go to church? Or, well, there's a host of things. What's the next step in life? What are you showing me, Lord? And it seems sometimes like God is silent. I asked the question this morning, is God ever silent? Does God ever ignore us? See, we see God through human eyes. And we subconsciously, I, I, say, I shouldn't say we, I'm, I'm going to speak, the sermon is for me. And I'll speak what I feel like I see in myself. I see God through how I feel and relate. I subconsciously expect God to be like me. And actually, we are like Him. Um, he experiences the same emotions we do, etc. We're made in His image. <clears throat> and somehow, I sort of expect Him to relate like I do. And sometimes, for various reasons, I ignore people. So I sort of expect God to do the same thing, maybe. You know, sometimes when I'm trying to finish typing up a paragraph or I'm trying to, you know, working on a project and, and one of the children is, hey, Dad, well, I might just ignore them for a little bit. Is God ever completely silent? 
I want you to listen to King David's cry. This comes from Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roarings? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. David didn't feel like God was hearing him. Turn to Job 19. I'll read verses 7 to 13. Job 19, verses 7 to 13. Verse 7. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. He hath fenced me up. He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and He has set darkness in my paths. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone. And mine hope hath He removed like a tree. He hath also kindled His wrath against me, and He counteth me unto Him as one of His enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me and camp round about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintances are verily estranged from me. And we could keep on reading there. He goes on to say how everybody around him has turned against him. This is this first part was talking about God, his relate, relate how it feels like God's relating to him. And then it goes on to say his wife and servants and how they're all treating him. Now let's turn over to Job twenty three, want to read verses one to nine. Job 23, verses 1 to 9. Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, talking about God, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No. But he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Two of the greatest men, most well-known men in the Bible very clearly felt like God was silent. Is God silent? Let's turn to Romans 1, verses 18 to 20. Romans 1, verses 18 to 20. Again, is God Completely silent. Romans 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him 
from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is never silent. For a person to not believe there is a God, they have to choose that. I fully believe that. They have to choose, they have to decide to not believe there is a God. Because he's very clear. If we'll just open our eyes, we'll see his power in nature. The orderliness of nature proves to us who God is, that there is a God. He is speaking to us if we'll open our eyes. So no, God is not silent. He's always calling to all humanity. And He's showing Himself to us in many ways. Even for those that do not know God, He is speaking to them through nature. If if we think about nature just a little bit, Chaos never creates orderliness. It doesn't. You can't have a big bang and something orderly come out of it. It does not happen. Never has since the creation of the world didn't happen before that. Everything always tends to unorderliness. So to have a nature that is orderly and controlled and that works creates or sustains life you have to choose not to believe to believe there's not an a higher power not all things of god are known by everyone but what is around us nature proves that there is a god many christians go through a time or times in life when they question god and when we feel like god is silent I think it, 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 to me, it helps for me to step back and look around and say, wait a minute, there is a God. Look at what's happening around me. He is in control. He may not be speaking to me the way I want him to speak right now, but there is a God. So the second question I want to ask, is God momentarily silent in certain areas of our life sometimes? I would say yes. I believe he is. King David and Job both experienced those moments. We heard their hearts cry a few moments ago. That's almost a given. If we walk with the Lord long enough, there's going to be a time in life where we will be asking God for something, an answer, a direction. And it'll seem like he's not answering. And there's reasons God may be silent in an area of our lives for a season. And there were three that I felt like God showed to me as I thought about this. Of course, the first one is sin. Known sin in our lives that is not repented of keeps the Holy Spirit from being able to fill us with His presence. And because of that, even though He would long to speak to us, that sin is a barrier between our spirit and His. We have to take care of anything we know is sin in our lives before God can speak to us. So that's number one, sin. That breaks, it keeps God from speaking at times. 
And even if you think about that, when we have sin in our lives, He still speaks to convict us of that sin. Isn't that amazing? It's a barrier there that, that stops our spiritual lives. But yet God still bridges that and speaks to us and draws us and says, wait a minute, you've got this going on. You need to deal with that. You need to repent. That's, a very, that's grace at work in our lives. Second thing that happens that keeps God from speaking into our lives is broken relationships. Matthew 5, verses 21 to 24. We could turn there. I know this, the broken relationships can stop God from speaking and from experience. Um, if, if I have, if I know there's something going on between my wife and I, and I refuse to deal with that, that can stop God from speaking to us. Matthew 5, 21 to 24, not just our wives, but any relationship in life. Because we're not, if we don't deal with it, we're not following God's direction in these verses. Verse 21, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever thou shalt kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the counsel. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I'll stop there just a minute. Thou fool would be a harsh, angry, degrading word. It's not, I don't think he's so much picking out the word fool as speaking to someone in a very demeaning condemning manner. Fool has the connotation of someone bound for hell in Scripture. So what he's saying is if we speak like that to someone, we ourselves are in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Jesus is saying if we come to seek his presence, and we're asking him for whatever's on our heart, we need to take care first of what we know is out of place on a horizontal level before we can have the connection with him on a vertical level. If we know that we've offended someone and we just ignore that, we can expect God to ignore us too. The two go hand in hand. First John 4.20 says, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Our vertical relationship corresponds with our horizontal relationships. Love is proven by action. It's not what we say that proves our love, it's what we do. If we love God... We prove it by how we treat our fellow man. If we don't love our fellow man enough to do our part to keep relationships clear, it blocks the Holy Spirit's ability to speak to us. And I believe that's a biblical 
principle. And this is especially true in marriage. First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Broken relationships with, our, with those around us blocks our relationship with Christ. And I'll give you an illustration. This week, as I was seeking God for a message, it seemed like He was silent. I wasn't, I just didn't feel the Spirit leading in any particular direction. And I wasn't receiving anything that I knew this is where God wanted me to go. And Friday, I felt the Spirit telling me that I really needed to to sit down with my wife and connect with her on some things. And Friday evening, we were able to do that, talk for several hours. Saturday morning, I got up, and God was like, here, here's your message. And it, it reinforced in my mind this very fact that our horizontal relationships, our relationships with those around us has got to be clear before God will give us direction for the next step. Take care of what we know before He will say, here's what you should do next. He was waiting for my obedience before He gave me direction for today. The third thing, that that um, third reason God does not speak to us, or no, I shouldn't say He doesn't speak to us. The third reason it seems God is silent in our lives at times is chastening. Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Do we understand when God is chastening us? scourging us. I don't know that I do. But I believe God was chastening both Job and David. Had Job sinned? I think we can clearly say no, he hadn't. Did he need to understand some things about God? Yeah, he did. And God took him through the ringer. I think some of us, some of you have been through areas in life that you felt like Job, or maybe you're walking through something right now where you feel like Job, where God is it's this, and it's this, and it's this, and on and on. And it feels like the, it doesn't end. That doesn't mean that God's throwing you away, that He's silent. Both Job and David had faced some extreme difficulties. Both of them had only one recourse. Job is the richest man in the world at that time. Wisest man. At that time, didn't do him any good. He was at God's mercy. God was his only recourse. For David, it was the same way. God, God was his only avenue out of the situation that he was in. And maybe you feel like you're in a place that Job or David was. And most of us face times like that. It feels like 
Everything's going wrong. And God is just up there being quiet and waiting, watching. What should we do? What is the proper attitude? What, how do we handle when we walk through those times when God is silent? It seems like He is. So let's go back to Job and see his actual heart belief. And we read verse, uh, chapter 19, verses 7 to 13. Now let's go back a few, let's look a few verses later at 19, verses 25 and 26. Job 19, verses 25 and 26. Just a few verses earlier, Job had felt completely trapped in. But now he says this. This is what his heart said. For I know, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. That's Job's heart. He had a deep-seated faith in who God is and that he was in control of the situation. Now let's go back to David and his response. We read Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. Now let's go to Psalm 22, verses 22 to 25. Psalm 22, verses 22 to 25. Verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. First two verses in that chapter, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he ends, he's just a few words later, he says this. That's where his heart was. He had a deep-seated faith that no matter what he was feeling, no matter what it seemed like was going on, God was still in control, and God was going to give him the opportunity to praise him in the congregation. And if you go to the very next chapter, we have the most beloved psalm written. So David comes out of chapter 22 where it is deep anguish. And he actually prophesies there in the first two verses we read, one or two, of what Christ would go through on the cross. He comes out of that and you have Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we're in the midst of those times that it seems like God is silent, you know what comes out of that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, both those men felt like God was silent. Like God wasn't hearing their cry. But neither one gave up. And even our Savior, as He hung on the cross, said these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now I know there's a lot of differing ideas about what Jesus meant when He said those words. And why he said them. 
I don't believe God had forsaken Jesus there on the cross. I don't think that at all. But what those words show us is Jesus' humanity. In His agony and pain, He felt like God had forsaken Him. Like God was silent, just letting Him hang there. You see, Jesus was just as much human as we are. If you're going through that this morning, or if you've been through that, that feeling is not wrong. If it was, Jesus was wrong. That feeling is not wrong. The struggle can be real and is real at times. But the example they left us, Jesus, Job, David, is that they didn't let temporary feelings shake their faith. It was a stepping stone of drawing closer to God. When we face those times of deep struggle and our faith seems like a stretch too thin, look back at God's faithfulness in our lives in the past. Look around at God's power displayed in nature. And remember that His faithfulness and power can handle your present and your future. When God seems silent, there's three things we need to do. There's three things that can cause it. Sin. So first one was sin. So repent of any known sin. The second thing was broken relationships. So repair. Do your part to repair any broken relationship there is. And the third thing is chastisement. When God is chastening us and to draw us to Himself. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. I thought that went so well. When God is chastening us, rejoice that you are His child and count worthy of chastisement. Count worthy of His discipline. Count worthy of His time to invest in your life to draw you to Himself. Psalm 27, 14 was David's words to us. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord.